Are you hurt? People need to know that the shaking is not over. We'll get hit again. And it's going to be a bigger monster. I've been Earth will literally crack open, and you will feel it on the East Coast. The United States has seen its fair share of earthquakes over the years. The earliest one recorded was in 1886 in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a magnitude 7.7 earthquake. 60 people lost their life from from this earthquake. The largest earthquake measured a magnitude 9.2 in Prince William Sound, Alaska. And this happened on March 27, 1964. 139 people lost their lives. Tremors lasted for nearly five minutes, while aftershocks continued for three weeks. The most devastating earthquake to hit the United States happened on April 18, 1906, in San Francisco, California. The earthquake was a magnitude of 7.8, spanning nearly 300 miles along the state's San Andreas Fault. The quake lasted for nearly one minute and was felt as far south as Los Angeles and as inland as Nevada. There were approximately 700 deaths, but later estimates put the number of fatalities as high as 3,000. Fires brought on by the earthquake destroyed nearly 80% of the city, and damage estimate in today's dollars was about $400 billion. In geological terms, a fault line is a fracture along which the crust has moved. Seismic waves are generated when the two sides of the fault rapidly slip past each other. For most earthquakes, the faults do not break the surface so the faults can be seen only through analyzing the seismic waves. Fault lines are often invisible until the earthquake strikes and everything falls apart. Fault lines can be hard to see but they're there and they're dangerous. So maybe you're sitting here wondering, well, what in the world does earthquakes and fault lines have to do with our series or our sermon today talking about being a community of one? Let me let you know, it has everything to do with becoming and staying a community of Jesus followers living in our world as a community of one. Fault lines happen because we are broken and imperfect people who do life with other broken 
and imperfect people. Fault lines are the single biggest reason that most churches and the church in North America are failing to have the impact that we are called to have. And these fault lines are the single biggest reason the church in America fails to live as a community of one. One of the reasons the church in America appears to be defeated is because we are divided. Did you hear what I said? One of the biggest reasons that the church in North America appears to be defeated is because we are divided. And I want you to write this down somewhere. If you have to write it in your Bible, if you have to write it in notes, if you have to write it, but I want you to write it down somewhere that you can see this, and I want you to look at it often. A divided church, listen to me, a divided church is a defeated church. Do you hear what I'm saying? A divided church is a defeated church. We must be very intentional about preventing future and even healing current fault lines in our churches. It's so important that we do this. You know, it's so important that Paul was faced with a lot of these situations. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk about preventing divisions, preventing fault lines, doing the best that we can to keep the church from being divided. And, I'm, and understand, when I say the church, not only am I talking about this church, but I'm talking about other churches. You know, there's several denominations right now that they're dividing on certain issues. I won't go into those. A lot of those issues are political. But they're dividing. The denomination is splitting. People are leaving the denomination, forming new denominations because of issues that they don't agree with, they can't come to terms with. But I want you to understand that a divided church is a defeated church. We do not want fault lines. We do not want divisions in our church. But Paul started a church in a city called Ephesus. And he dealt with some of these issues in this community. Ephesus, Ephesus was an, an, an interesting community. It was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And these two groups, they were natural enemies. I mean, one thought one was better than the other. One thought they were smarter than the other. One thought, you know, they, they could uh, uh, do better things and, and, and function differently. And the other one thought they were, you know, we were, we're, we're God's group. You know, we're, we're better than you guys are. We're we're like God's here and we're there, you know? I mean, so it was that kind of division that was happening. And Paul is trying to bring these two groups together, the Gentiles, the Jews. He was trying to bring them together. And here in chapter 4, let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to begin reading at verse 1. And Paul says this, as a prisoner for the Lord. So you see what he's saying? He's saying, look, I've been through a lot of stuff, okay? But I have, I have gone to prison for God. I have, I have served him faithfully. I have started preaching about Jesus. And because of my faith, because of my belief, I've ended up in prison. So he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Now understand, he's already been talking to them for the past three chapters. He's talking about all the good things, the things are great, and, and all these things. But here he gets to this fourth chapter, and he's saying, listen, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And then he goes into how? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now look at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Everybody say it with me. One Lord and one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can I tell you, you want to know why we've been doing a series for the last three weeks and there's been ones plastered all over our walls? It's because God wants us to be one. And we cannot let fault lines divide us. Do you hear what I'm saying? We cannot let these things creep into the church that's going to keep us from doing the things that God wants us to do. And Paul tells us that we must live a life worthy of your calling. You know, God's called each of us to salvation. That's why Jesus went to the cross. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus went to the cross, and by him going to the cross, he called all of us to come to repentance, to serve him, and to live for him, and to, and to do what Jesus has asked us to do. But we're called to, to a service of God. So we, how can we live worthy of the calling? If you look up the Greek word for worthy, you would find that it refers to a balance. You ever had those scales? You know, probably like in, uh, I don't know, what, I, I don't know if it's cl- uh, science class or math class or whatever, but you know, you always had, you, you would play with those scales in school. You know what I'm talking about? And on some of them, you'd put weights on one side and you'd put an item in the other, you know? And then, uh, uh, what is it? The, is it the law symbol that has the, the balance scale on the front of it, you know? Why? Because you're trying to, to balance justice or something, you know? But, uh, but think of it, that's what this means, worthy. This word worthy that, that he's using here, think of it like a balancing scale. And, and, and so we are to live in balance with their calling. How, how we act should match what we believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? How you and I act as individuals, it should match what we believe. If you don't believe something, then why do you act like it? You hear what I'm saying? Do you believe that God can heal? Do you hear what I'm saying? Then we need to act like it. Instead of walking around feeling sorry for yourself, walk around believing that God has healed you. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to the doctor. If anything, you should go to the doctor to confirm what you believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you believe that God healed you, go to the doctor, get the test, check it out. I I believe so then you can report and say, look, not only did I say that I was healed, but I've now got the test results to prove to you that I was healed. Do you hear what I'm saying? I believe that if you believe something, 
then you need to live like you believe it. Amen? Act like it. Do you believe that God wants you to prosper? Then act like it. Instead of talking about how broke you are, tell everyone how blessed you are. You hear what I'm saying? Walker, I think we get in this rut. Do you hear? And I do the same thing. I'm right there with you. But we get in this rut that if we don't have $2, what do we do? Well, I'm just broke. I got in such a habit of saying we ain't got no money to my kids that they started thinking, well, mom and dads, they're, they're broke. They don't have, and so we finally had to learn different wording <laughs> because my, my kids were worried that mom and dad weren't going to be able to pay their bills, but that wasn't the truth. I, it just didn't, it was just, you know, a toy wasn't in the budget for that week. You hear what I'm saying? There's a difference in being broke and it not being in the budget. And so I had to learn some different vernacular and tell them, hey, look, no, it's not that we don't have money. It's that we don't have money to buy you a toy. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Uh, that, that toy does not fit into the, the scheme of everything. Uh, maybe at another time or another day we can put that in there or you can earn some money. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. Do you believe that God wants you to have the victory over everything? Do you believe it? Then act like it, right? Get up and walk in victory. Quit walking around acting like you're defeated all the time. Do you hear what I'm saying? I think we have troubles as a as, as, as believers, as Christians, I think sometimes we walk around because we're either tired or we've gone through a lot of stuff or, or we may be hurting or whatever, but we walk and we hang our hat in defeat when the truth is that God has given us the victory. You know, we used to sing that song in church, Victory in Jesus. You remember that? Why didn't we act like it? Do you hear what I'm saying? If we've got victory in Jesus, then let's walk around saying, I've got victory. I, I, I believe that God is going to help me to be everything that I need to be, and I'm going to stand firm on those promises that God has given me. Christ's sacrifice should cause you to live for his glory in every area of your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus went to the cross. He died on that cross for us, and it should cause us to walk differently. It should cause us to talk differently. It should cause us to act differently. Do you hear what I'm saying? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? We have this victory, so we need to walk in this, in the, we need to walk worthy of our calling. And Paul continues. He gives us four characteristics of a person who is worthy of the calling. He says what? Be completely humble. We should be completely humble before God and one another. We, we should find ways to serve one another. Uh, um, we uh, uh, need to make sure that we don't put ourselves above anyone else. Uh, we have a lot of selfishness in this country. I want what I want. I've, I need what I need. I have needs. I have desires. I, it doesn't matter if it hurts you. It doesn't matter if it hurts someone else. If I need it, I want it. And we've got to put aside those uh, selfish desires and be uh, completely humble. He also tells us to be completely gentle. Humility, listen to this, humility is an attitude 
and gentleness is the action derived from it. Do you get what I'm saying? So like, if you have the attitude of humility, then as we continue to walk in our journey, then uh, gentleness starts to take place. As humility is in our life and we are living with humility in our life, then we become gentle towards one another. I have issues sometimes. Anybody else got issues? Come on. Am I the only one that has issues or does everyone have issues? Come on. We all have those things that we tend to do or we tend to be cranky. Anybody ever get cranky? Right now, I am, I'm exhausted, y'all. I have spent a week at the rodeo. Woohoo, yeehaw. And I have heard more country music in my life than I ever care to ever hear again. And, uh, but, uh, um, so I, I'm tired. And sometimes when you're tired, what happens? You get that fuse is no longer this long, is it? That fuse is now about this long. And it's ready to just, boom, you know, explode. And, and so I have to watch myself and know that I, not only am I hum, I have to be humble, but I have to have that spirit of gentleness as well. And we need to be gentle with one another. You know, this person's not going to be like you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not like a lot of you. You're not like me, are you? We all act differently. Why? Because God made us all different. God gave us each different uh, functionality. God gave us each uh, uh, different ways that we walk and act and talk and live and, and do all these things. So if we are going to learn how to be one in a community of believers and working together so that we can reach out of these walls to the world that's outside of us, we have to know how to become gentle with one another. Can I tell you that, that that gentle spirit that you may have, there may be somebody that comes that just needs somebody to be patient with them, which brings me to my next one, that needs to be gentle with them. Showing them love. Can I tell you that you can also be gentle and still have a firm hand? Do you hear what I'm saying? We can talk to people gently, but we can say things in ways that will make people think and realize that the decision that they're making is not the right decision. He also tells us, Paul tells us, be patient. Mm. No. (laughs) I used to pray for patience, and then God delivered me of it. I don't pray for patience no more. Because every time I would pray for patience, God would send me tests that would test my patience do do you get what I'm saying but he's telling us to be patient that's one of the fruit of the spirit right there gentleness is too but be patient patient conveys the quality of being able to handle one another's faults and failures and refusing to avenge wrongs people are going to disappoint you you hear what I'm saying We live in a world of imperfect people. Those imperfect people are going to disappoint you. They're going to do things that just drive you crazy. I have two children. They are completely opposites. 
I love both of my children equally. Do you hear what I'm saying? But one of them's just like me, and one of them's nothing like me. And the one that's nothing like me drives me absolutely insane. And so I always like to say, she's just like you. And I point at Kelly. <laughs> she's just like you, <laughs> you know. And so I learn to be patient with different people. But can I tell you that it's the same way with Kelly? There are some of those people that drive her nuts. That's related to her, her daughters, one of them. And one of them is, you know, she'll do just about anything you tell her to do, and she does it. The other one waits a very, very, very long time before she decides that she's ready to, do you hear what I'm saying, y'all? And you learn patience with children, and you realize that children act just like you do, and it drives you completely nuts that they act like you do. And it also drives you completely nuts that they act like your spouse because you've been living with that for, you know, 20 so many years and same is there too, you know, I drive her bonkers, she drives me bonkers, but we have patience with one another, we learn how to deal with these these conflicts and we learn how to create a, a a, 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 res, a resolution so that we can come together and we can work together. And it's not just that way in the family unit. It's that way in the church as well. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? We need to have patience with one another and learn that we are all different. We all act different. We all do different things. We all live differently. But we have to be patient. Learn to be patient with one another. You know, you know what the difference is there? You know how you show patience? By learning to love. You hear what I'm saying? Because it's my wife and my daughters, in the same way for her, there's a love that's there. We love each other. We care for each other. Therefore, we are, no matter how much, Teenagers drive you nuts, and they will. If you don't have, if they're not teens yet, they will be, and they will drive you crazy. And the last thing he says is keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, this is not a matter of intellectual agreement on all issues. This is maintained by being loyal to the truth and moving in obedience to the leading of the Spirit. When the Spirit moves you, listen to me, you listen to what he is saying, how many times does the Spirit speak to us and we let it go in one ear and out the other? When the Spirit speaks to you, listen to what the Spirit is saying and act on it. Do what the Spirit tells you to do. All of this is out of Christ's love for his people. Jesus loves us so much that he went to the cross and he died on the cross. And because he loves his people, we follow his leading. 
These characteristics that are revealed in us makes us worthy of the calling that God has called us to. That's what these do. These, these characteristics make us worthy of the calling. And when Paul concludes this portion of Scripture, he uses many one references. Can we do these again? Can we say these? Say one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. You see, when you look at the number one in Scripture, its meaning centers on the unity of God. You can look all throughout the Scriptures. Do you know numbers mean something in, to, for God, to God? It's almost like God was a mathematician, man. I mean, he loves numbers. He loves numbers so much that there's an entire book about numbers. If you've ever read the book of numbers, you, you would know what I'm talking about. It's just numbers, this many people and this many people and this many. And you just, it just goes on and on and on and on and on about numbers. You know? Numbers are important to God. You can look all throughout scriptures and you see that different numbers mean different things. And the number one has a meaning. It means unity. The number one also represents the unity between God the Father and his son Jesus. John chapter 10 verse 30 says, I and the Father are one. Jesus, by his singular sacrifice, has made possible the forgiveness of all our sins. He is the one mediator and shepherd in the life of the Christian. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 16 says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, the Old Testament and New Testaments, they have an incredible unity of one between them. More than a third of the New Testament is composed of Old Testament quotes. Many writings from the prophets and Psalms could not be understood without the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. They are one together in unity. They create one book. The, the Old Testament and the New Testament are not separate. You cannot study one without the other. You cannot understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those two come together to create one book. It is one. Amen? There is unity there that God is showing to us. He's showing us the unity of his word. Um, prophecies in places like Isaiah 53 would not be correctly understood as referring to the Messiah if the Gospels did not exist. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Such examples are a unified nature of the Scriptures and offer proof of its direct inspiration of God. Jesus is called the firstborn of every create. Create, uh, creature, excuse me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is also called the first of the first fruits. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
There is unity in God the Father, Jesus' his Son, and the Holy Spirit. And therefore, as believers, we must walk in unity in the faith with one another. Do you hear what I'm saying? We must be one. We must walk in unity. We cannot let fault lines come into our church. We cannot let fault lines come into our family. We cannot let fault lines come into our life. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to keep the division out and be one in Christ. A house divided will not stand. It's going to crumble every time. What would happen if I was to take a physical house and I was to cut it in two, remove the foundation, take that house, cut it in two, and set them there? What's going to happen? Eventually it's going to fall in on itself, right? Because it's divided. It's, it's, it's not made to stand apart. Do you understand? We are not made as believers to stand apart. We are made as one, to walk in unity with one another. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we, want to, if we want to see God do some amazing things in this church through his people, then we must be one united people moving forward in Christ Jesus. So how? How do you need to start building unity? I'm going to give you some things that I, homework if you will. Everybody like homework? This is easy, I promise. It's not that hard. I got three things here that you need to do. Number one, you need to develop the habit of considering others' needs ahead of your own wants and needs. Ask the question, what do they need? It doesn't mean that, you're, that you don't still do for yourself. It just means that you ask the question, what can I do for others? What can I do for someone else? Have you ever gone in the drive-thru and somebody paid for your meal behind you? Or you behind them, they paid for your meal? person in front of you? This feels good. I'm not telling you to do that. I mean, that's, that's just, you could if you wanted to. You never know how it's going to impact other people. But here's the thing, when you decide to do something like that, and the person says, well, their meal's, you know, $35. You committed to it. You need to do it. If God's telling you to do it, you do it. No matter how much it is behind you. Do you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, tell you to do something like that, you do it. If the person is in the, if you're in the grocery store line and the person in front of you <clears throat> has these groceries and God tells you, he speaks to you, pay for their groceries, you don't ask how much it's going to be, God. Well, how much, God? What is it going to be? God tells you, guess what? He's going to provide for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do something, if you pull up to an intersection and there's a guy there and he's got this pretty little sign that says, we'll work for food or, or, or whatever it says or need help or anything like that, and the Holy Spirit, do you hear what I'm saying? He speaks to you and says, give him your last $5 that's in your pocketbook. You know what you need to do? Give him your last $5. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's going to happen every time you walk, because in this town, they're on every street corner. But when the Spirit speaks to you, 
You do what the Spirit is saying to you. Do you hear me what I'm saying? We need to be more in tune with what God is telling us to do. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit, and we need to walk in the victory that he's given us by listening, receiving, and then putting it into practice, doing what he wants us to do. Amen? Another thing you need to do, do you need to go to someone and seek or offer forgiveness? Where do you need to get where do you need to get over yourself? I'm not trying to be rude here. And work to bring reconciliation. You ever hear that? Well, just get over it. Can I just tell you that we just need to get over it sometimes. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean or rude or tell you that, you know, you just need to get over it. I'm just saying there are in some instances that we need to get over it and to come to a reconciliation with somebody and show some forgiveness and show some love and don't let that bitterness or that, that unforgiveness turn into bitterness. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those things create division in the church and sometimes we just have to sometimes pull our big pants on, act like adults and be who God has called us to be and not keep just, well, you know... I, they did me wrong back in 1992 and, and have God have mercy on their soul. Get over it. Get over it. You say, yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. You're right. I could sit there and name people after people after people that have done things to me. And guess what? If I let it continue to fester in my life, then bitterness is going to set in, and then I'm not going to have any victory or walk in freedom. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because I'm allowing those things to be in my life. I have to move forward and walk in the victory that God has called me to be in. Do you hear what I'm saying? God loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to be victorious. He wants us to live a victorious life. Life. And the last thing is, are you in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are you pursuing love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Then ask, your question, then ask yourself this question on a corporate level amongst the fellowship. Are you working to build unity here at church? Are you praying and seeking to be in tune with the Holy Spirit? We sang it this morning. We asked the Lord this morning, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Do you mean that? Then receive what the Spirit is speaking to you and say, Lord, what is it I need to do? What is it I need to do? What, who can I minister to today? Who can I pray for today? Who can I talk to today? Who can I be in fellowship with today? It's so important that we make a commitment to the local fellowship, to this body. We need to be devoted to the church. Be devoted to the community. We need to be devoted to Christ. <clears throat> but this is how we become a community of one, united in Christ. Here's what I wanted us to do this morning. I'm getting ready to close. I'm closing. I want us to spend some time praying for one another. 
I've been looking, preparing, starting to look at different series. I'm excited about the next series that I start next Sunday. It's called The Path. We're going to be going through the book of Proverbs. And I hope you'll be here this summer. It's going to take us six weeks. And then we're going to start a series in August about prayer. Man, I, I just, I, I believe that there's something about praying for one another. We have a time of prayer in here on Wednesday nights. We're back to our normal schedule this week, other than those of us that are going to camp. <laughs> but we'll be here praying for one another. And so here's what I want us to do this morning is I want us to gather around just two or three people, maybe just right there on your aisle, if you have to stretch across the aisle because there's no one with you. And I want you to say, what can I pray with you about? I don't, I don't care, even if it's just say, I just, I want to grow more in the Lord. Pray with that person about that. If, it's, if you have a need, a healing, whatever it is, say, I have a need. Or I just want to pray for my family. Or I want to pray for my finance. It don't have to get, you don't have to get personal. Just, just whatever, there's something. We all have something that we desire more of, that we want more of. And I want us to pray together. I want us to spend, I, we don't have to spend a long time, but I want us to come together in little, little groups, just two or three people, and let's pray for one another. And please, if you see someone by themselves, go and make them become a part of your group. Don't you love it when just people come up to you and say, come join us? That's what we want. We want you to, we want groups of people. We want everybody, no one to be praying by themselves. Pray amongst the groups. Can we do that right now? Can we all stand? And just for, just for a few minutes, let's pray for one another. Let's just spend some time in prayer together. Let's go. Let's pray. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I want to, um, here in a moment, we're going to take up BGMC money, so I'll give everybody a, a minute to dig deep, get your change and all that good stuff out. Can I ask you to do something for me this week? I, to me, it's, camp is a special time. I've gone to more camps than I can remember. I've been going to camp for probably the last, I've been hit, going to at least two camps every year for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years. Um, and it, it's a new experience every time I go. It's so awesome seeing young people down at the altar and seeing God just pouring into their lives. And so I'm asking you as this congregation to pray for our young people that are going to camp this week and pray that God is going to impact their life in a way that they've never experienced before. If I could say... Pray that God wrecks their life. You know what I mean? Whatever they thought their life was going to be like, pray that God just does something completely and amazing that they hear God's voice speaking to them and they start listening and wanting to do what His will and His desire is. Amen? And so I'm asking you, if you would, this week to pray for our youth as they go. Uh, it's it's all it's it's our youth camp in Hot Springs. We leave tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. <clears throat> Pray that we have safe travels, 
If you've ever been to Hot Springs, you know that road's not fun to drive, so uh, lots of curbs. And so uh, uh, just, just pray that we have a safe trip there, safe trip home. But I, I just, I want God to do something amazing Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I want him to just wreck our youth, if I can use that word. <laughs> and so I, I, need, I want you to pray. Uh, we will have youth tonight um, uh, at 6. And so I'm asking, our, our kids are here. And this is our uh, monthly um, BGMC offering. They're going to come and collect from you. They collect anything you have. Change, uh, dollars, two dollars, five dollars, tens, twenties, fifties, hundreds. They'll take any of it. And they're going to come around at this time and collect. And then, um, So far, we've raised uh, over $1,000 for BGMC. So thank you so much. We're in line. <laughs> We're in line. There's some change back here in the sound booth, too. Somebody go to the sound booth. Man. Thank you so much for giving to BGMC. This is our, this is the way that we teach our children to give to missions, and all of this money goes to our missionaries to help them uh, purchase equipment, things to be able to spread the gospel around the world. And so, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your dollars and nickels and quarters and dimes and. Five dollars and ten dollars, twenties, fives, fifties, hundreds, anything else that might get put in there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else that they missed, you can raise it up and we'll send a kid your way. Can we all stand? 
Y'all can bring it up to here to Maylie and she'll help y'all get it out. We're going to pray over this offering. Our ushers are at the back. You can all, we also have a, uh, an offering box out there on the wall in the foyer. Or you can also give online. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this time that we have been here today, God.